So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. Today, we have a fantastic guest with us. Her name is Jan Cavell. Jan, welcome to the show. John, thank you so much for having me on the show. <clears throat> I'm thrilled. So, um, so you know, you, you're an author, you're an entrepreneur. Why don't you give my audience a little bit of background about you, let them know just introduce yourself and just let them get to know a bit more about you. Sure, I'd be happy to. I am obviously from the UK. You probably guessed that listening to me. And I've started all sorts of little businesses in my time. But I had one that uh, I started when I was a single mom. And I found myself somewhat up against it financially. And so I had to take life rather more seriously than I had before and set about growing it seriously. Otherwise, me and my children would have been slightly uh, in trouble. So, yeah, I I, uh, set about to grow a business seriously for the first time. And I managed to scale it literally from what was a shelf under the stairs at home to a couple of small factories. and about 50 people. So it, it grew quite uh, successfully and substantially in the end. So, you know, that was my biggest success story. And it taught me huge amounts because uh, I know one of one of your favorite topics, John, is, is, you know, how not to work yourself into the ground. And you probably imagine that combination of running a business and being a single mother, I did just that. But, <laughs> you know, I learned, I learned tons which i'd be more than happy to share with everybody today you've gone again i'm afraid john sorry about that sorry folks i had that on mute for a second don't worry um so 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 me and me and jane have several things in common is that um uh, here in the United States, we own a franchise called the UPS Store, which is a shipping, a retail shipping location. And and the cool thing about it is that we expanded that from one location to fifteen locations, and then we sold one, and now we've got ten, ten different locations, and they're not close by each other either. Um, I live in Tennessee, and if I go from the, the two farthest locations, if I drive them, it takes six hours to drive to, 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 to go between the two different locations. And it's pretty interesting. And so the thing is, is that we have quite a bit in common when it comes to being able to expand a business. And that's what Expansion Code is basically all about. It's, it's about helping small business owners that have retail locations that are brick and mortar stores. And helping them expand into multiple locations. That there is my ideal clientele out there, and um, and I've got several listeners out there that listen to me <clears throat> all the time, and 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 listen to the podcast because I try to get great guests like you, Jan, on here so we can help these folks 
do what they really need to do and expand their business uh, because it's hard. It takes it takes a lot of things. I, my podcast yesterday, you know, I, I talked about how um, how you have to be intentional about things and how you have to develop systems and and frameworks and procedures and things of this nature to be able to expand that stuff. So talk to me a little bit about about how you went about expanding your business. Well, I made so many mistakes on the way. Um, I I have to say, John, which is is in some ways a good thing now because I went on a sort of mission to find out more about what I did right, what I did wrong, partly the last few years of business, but probably ever since. And I've just been soaking up knowledge ever since because it was a fascinating journey in many ways. But I didn't uh, set it up right, as you rightly say, to, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it right from the start. And a lot of us fall into this trap of drifting into growth. You know, we just think, oh, well, that'll be a bit better if we do 20% more next year or 50% more next year. And that's going to be great because we'll make 50% more profits and it, life will be 50% better. And of course, it isn't. It doesn't work like that. You know, so I I love that word intentional about growth. I think, you know, this is what it's all about. It's about putting the blocks in place so that you can really get that growth right and plan it so it's no stress, plan it so it works, plan it so you don't work yourself into the ground and plan it so it's sustainable growth. So important. It is, especially when you... When, when you look at <clears throat> how you're going to grow your business and in what capacities you're going to grow your business. And the thing is, is it, it initially um, <clears throat> I had one, one UPS store and I bought a second one. So, and we met my wife were business partners. And so she ran a location. I ran a location. It was no big deal. Yeah. That works. That works great for two locations. But the next year, we had an opportunity to buy three locations in a bundle. Yeah, and so and so when we did that, um, we had to turn around and scrap our business model. I can't run one; she runs one. And plus, these these stores were about two hours and forty five minutes away from where we lived, so <clears throat> we couldn't be there day in and day out. So then we had to bring. So then that's when we. We're thrown, put our feet to the fire, kind of, and we had to dismantle our business model and create something from scratch. And you know, Jan, that is that is hard. I because do. because when you're used to doing something, and and then you have to reinvent because this was literally reinventing the wheel. Yeah, and no, it was. It's hard. Yeah. It's very so, hard. I mean, my, my problems didn't compare in that way. But, you know, I have to say it was extraordinary because we had one factory and we were growing fast. And a factory, it was in one of those sort of little factory, set of factory compounds as such. And the factory opposite us came up for rent. And we were working, sort of, luckily it was summer, but we were so busy, we were working outside half the time and half of us. It was crazy. And so it made perfect sense to get the factory opposite. But yet, that 
did horrendous things to the culture. Immediately we had management problems, even from a different building, sort of whatever it was, not even a quarter of a kilometre away. It was completely split of everything and it didn't work anymore because it wasn't a whole unit. We found actually even people started talking about it, you know, about, oh, those people over there. It was it was really bizarre to watch, but also terribly damaging. Real challenge. So what you must have gone through with several locations and six hours drive, I do not know. Well, you know, it's you know, just looking back at it, Jan, it was it it just really blows my mind because the thing is is that we kept all the employees, all the original employees. And what happened is that over the next year, over the next year, these people dropped off because they didn't like the systems that we put into place. They didn't like the procedures we put in place. They didn't like the structure or the framework of our business uh, because they because our model then turned into buying UPS stores that were struggling, okay, that were not doing well, and they needed someone to come in and basically rescue them. And I only have, yeah, and and I only, I've only bought two UPS stores out of my 11 that I had. Only two did I pay, no, one I paid market price for, and the other one was discounted, but she wasn't in trouble or anything. She just wanted to retire. Yeah. And in doing that, yeah. And uh, it was it was just really interesting because, um, but but I still got that store at a at a steal. And the thing is, is so so I bought all of these stores at rock bottom prices, and it was kind of crazy. But when you when you buy stores, at least for me, whenever I bought UPS stores that <clears throat> were struggling, the problem was is that you also inherited every problem that that location has. And so, and so what I had to do is that we had to go in and we wasn't firing anybody, but we, what we found out is that you can't make big changes all at one time. You can make small changes incrementally over time. And then one of those changes will eventually make someone quit um, once they all start adding up. But but that's that's what we did. So 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 for the for the first three months, uh, we literally made almost zero changes, and then at that three month mark, is when we would add in something new, and then every month after that, we would we would start changing the way we did some things. I mean, and some things we some things we had to come in and change completely, just like the way that they closed. They were closing down the down the location weird or whatever. We had to change that immediately. I mean, there's certain certain things you have to change immediately. But big changes, we, we just broke up the big changes into small incremental pieces. And it was bite-sized pieces that people can, because people in general don't like to change. No. I personally love change because I look at it as a growth opportunity, but not everybody sees it the way I do. And, and there's lots of people that are deathly afraid to change. And so the big thing I think, Jan, is, is that Whenever you're whenever you're growing business and you're doing multiple businesses, you you have to look at each individual piece as its own separate entity, 
And then you have to address those particular issues with that particular piece. So, so talk to me a little bit about, because you, you were talking about there, there was some animosity between factories and stuff. Talk to me about how you solved some of that and, and how you were able to overcome that. I think it was, a, but you, as is often the case, it was a battle with culture altogether as it grows. Like you were saying, it's the changes that people aren't comfortable with, you know, in a very small business everybody knows everything in sort of one location or whatever and you all join in and you all have a laugh and there's not much regimentation you know whereas when you grow you have to introduce those systems albeit gradually and the animal does change you know there are more rules and regulations however gently you keep it and more commonalities that you have to aim for so that you can stay on the same page and I think uh, it's it's tough because as you say you lose some of your original people and the whole thing changes fast because they don't want to be tied down to rules and regulations or they don't want systems or they don't like the idea of growth because not everybody does you know, I remember one entrepreneur um, sort, of, sort of defining it when he interviews and recruits people. You know, he, it's in fact, it's more than one. Quite a few of them say to me generally, you know, we look for, for people who are comfortable with stretching themselves with that growth, personal growth. And most people are not. They're just not going to thrive in that situation. But that's what you're looking at. If, if you're going to grow fast because you need people who are going to thrive on change. Yeah, it is a difficult situation. Mm. Um, and the thing is, is that uh, <clears throat> I'm a certified John Maxwell leadership coach, and I use and I use my my coaching skills to coach my um, managers <clears throat> and teach them how to really dig into and start really mentoring the people under them. And I always tell my managers one thing is that. Um, one of the keys to being a great manager is to find somebody that is that works for you and start um, <clears throat> grooming them to be your replacement. Yeah, and this always scares and this always scares the death out of most managers. So <laughs> Non-managing successor program. Yes. Yeah, and I'm just like, no, I'm not gonna, no, I'm not gonna fire you. I said, but in most cases, though. What I understand is, is that at some point, most of my managers move, move on from their, from this job because this job for most people is a stepping stone. And I understand that. That's the reason why I tell my managers, you want to cultivate someone else in your store to take the reins from you. And I said, and, and the reason why is that first of all, it, it helps your job. It helps you do your job easier, right? Because you're able to delegate some of the things that you're doing day in and day out. And so that makes your job easier. And it also gives the people that work for you ownership of their job. Because if you're delegating some of the things that you're doing to them and you encourage them and you do it in a um, compassionate, caring way. And I'm not saying that that you know, that, that you're loving on these folks or that you're babying them or anything like that. But it's 
if you are able to to develop them in 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 some sort of a nurturing way. And and I, and and I don't even like using the word nurturing, but it's but that's the closest word I can think of that really helps this out. And when you do this, what happens is is that y'all become close. Y'all become what we call tribe. The yeah. tribe is, and my definition of tribe is, you take the best of family and you take the best of team. You take the two, you take, take the things that are, are great about family, not not the things that are bad in family. Because family, because a family structure has terrible things in it, it has fantastic things, in it. and so does team. Team has some terrible things in it, but it also has a, some great things. You take those and you marry them together and you make it a tribe. <clears throat> and I've got a system on how to do that, on how to take the best things of family, the best things of, of a team, the best of family, the best of team and marry them together. And you help people move forward to where they're able to to really get pretty close and pre and, and, and create this environment that is what we call thriving. And so team equals women, I'm sorry, tribe equals thrive or thriving. And the thing is, is that once you're able to get people to buy into these concepts, which is the hardest part, and you should know that. Oh yeah. Is to get people to get people to buy into a, a concept like that is difficult. But once they buy in, now you've got a really strong environment to where people take ownership of what they do. And that's the secret to success, that one, if, if people are starting to take ownership, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that if, if I go into any of my UPS stores and I ask the manager whose store this is, they say, well, it's mine. This is, this is my store. They, they actually take ownership of that store. Mm. And, uh, and then if they say, oh, it's yours. Especially if I got a new manager, they say it's yours. I say, no, it's not mine. And I said, am I here working day in and day out? No. Am I the here? Am I the one here guiding and leading your team? No. But whose store is it? I guess it's mine. And it is because, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, um, you know, I have somebody that mentors all of my managers, too. I have a I have an operations director and she's over all all of the managers. And that, that's how we do it. It's just because the thing is, is that I think in most organizations, Jan, uh, they just they just start in on, well, how do we do the job? Right. The procedures piece of it. How do we do this? How do we do that? And the thing is, is that. They let things fall to the wayside, like organization. Like how? Like, do you have an organizational chart? Who does what? Do you have job descriptions of everybody? You know, what do? What is? What, what, what is my job? What is your job? Do we have a description of that? And the thing is, is that when people don't put start at the top and start putting in these organizational structures. I mean, it's it's very difficult because then people don't know who to go talk to. People don't know um, because there's going to be conflict. People don't know where to go to to get to where they need to be. And it becomes very problematic. You're not a fan and, of flat um, structures, then, John. No, no. I, you know, it's really interesting because I've got a friend of mine that him and his partner just split. and. They have no 
no organizational structure at all. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, deliberately flat structures, you know, and working in, in, in roles and in groups rather than you know, on, on, uh, uh, and roles okay. rather than job descriptions and that sort of thing. More a holacracy gotcha. type of function. Gotcha. So, you, so we talked a few minutes beforehand. So, talk to me a little bit about this upcoming book that's going to be published here pretty soon. It's coming out. What did you say in December? It's it will be available to pre-order in December. It's actually coming out in January. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's my second book. So, pretty excited about that. It's called Start for Success, and it's very much about what we've been talking about about getting the foundations right for growth, so you don't expand chaotically and run yourself into the ground and or fail in the process and and have to go back to square one in some way. Because unfortunately, if you grow too much in the wrong way with those wrong foundations, as you well know, you know, then you get stuck with um, a nasty choice as to how much you go back to unpick the mistakes and put systems or whatever in place to rebuild the culture with new people, you know, or or whether you say this just isn't working, I need to start again on it. You know, it it just won't be sustainable unless the foundations are right in the end. Yeah, that's most definitely true. So, so you mentioned culture. So, so, so did you talk about culture in the book? And what's your kind of philosophy on this, too? I do. I mean, I talk about culture a lot. Um, it's it's one of my favorite topics. I think it's it's becoming increasingly hard for leaders to be good leaders and develop good cultures um, for, lot, for so many reasons. I think there's been a tremendous sort of ploy, pro-employee shift, which is great. But on the other hand, you know, for um, a, a leader who's fairly new at the job and growing very fast, they're already under enormous pressure. And to be told that they've got to give their staff more, more, more all the time in terms of team and support, you know, if you can maneuver yourself into a situation like you were saying, that you've got somebody in place who, who it has the time to devote to them and support them and mentor them, you know, then it's going to be a lot easier because you're probably needed to run the business just a little bit. But I think there is this shift in culture as you grow, which makes it very challenging. And then, of course, we've seen all the other challenges that have gone on with the pandemic of remote cultures, hybrid cultures. <laughs> you know, culture has come whoa to the forefront. And and retention, too. I mean, we've just got this huge high turnover of people from um, particularly Generation Z, you know, wanting much more meaning out of work. Not a bad thing. Um, wanting experience. I mean, that really kicked in with millennials, wanting experience out of their work because they want to build up their knowledge, resilience, and everything else. It's so different, isn't it, from the old days where people thought they'd come and get a job, you know, and stayed there for a long time. You can't view it like that anymore. And I think actually one of the, the points I'd say about what you, what you were talking about is training success itself, it actually makes a lot of sense from a business point of view because you are much more, um, you've got your B plan if somebody does decide, I can't be bothered with this, I'm going somewhere else. You've got that successor in waiting, you're not caught in with problems because people are, 
worried, unsure, jumpy, you know, they're, they're not sure who to trust, I think, anymore. And, and so they're much less happy generally and they need a much more strong, more a better culture and, and much more reason to stay at a job, much more give back to them, I think. Um, you know, and that's what helps helps um, the culture if you align what you're doing and developing them with their goals as well, then they've got a real reason to stay. Definitely. I mean, I, I've just been sitting here listening to you taking in some of these things. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I had to learn, it took a long, long time. I've been doing this for almost for, for 19 plus years now. And the one thing that took me a very long time to learn was that my employees are my first customer. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty novel concept. People don't really, business owners really don't understand that. They think, oh, well, these are people to, 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 you know, to give customer service to my customers, but they, they are your first customer. Absolutely. And, and 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 the way you treat them has to be better than you treat your customers. Because if you treat them better than you would, so, so this is how we're going to treat our customers. Okay. And then this is how we're going to treat our employees. And that has to be higher or not higher, but um, you have to give more to these folks so that they can give to the customer because I'm not going to be there on the front lines giving to the customer, but I expect my people to, I expect my tribe to. And so my tribe is my number one customer. And then the people that come into my stores are, are my secondary customer. And <clears throat> once you, and because the thing in the UPS stores is that we do this thing called ECEE, which is extraordinary customer experience every time. And that there, and the, every time is our intention. Uh, it's not a goal; it's an intention. Because if you set goals and you don't, and you don't make that goal, then you feel like you have failures. But if you set an intention, that every time is an intention. That means that you're always striving to meet that intention. <clears throat> and so, it's very important that I tell my people: this is not a goal; this is an intention. We are intentionally trying to meet this all the time. And we're and, and here's the crazy thing about it: we're never ever going to get to the end of it. We're never ever going to reach it. <coughs> but we are trying to get there. And and once you really start developing your people, and you start developing a a culture around your values, and here's the thing about it is, is that that there that there is the building blocks that there's the foundation of of your culture is the values that you're bringing in. And when you hire, you hire people according to those values. And if those people don't have those values, then they don't get hired. And it makes you a much more attractive employer to, to especially now, especially with the millennials and the, and, and, and the Gen Z Zers, <clears throat> it makes you a much more attractive um, employer if you're able to say these are our values, these are what we hold sacred, 
and these are the things, and these are our, our these are these are our um, our building blocks of how we interact with you and our customers. And I think it's highly important that that, that you that you develop something like this. I totally agree, John. I totally agree. Um, you know, and I think, you know, some of the U.S. tech companies, you know, were brilliant in developing culture early on. You know, you had Zappos who stood out a mile with very different, you know, pure, great fun energy culture, you know, or um, was it Hootsuite with uh, BSU? And, you know, they, they developed these very firm character cultures even before the cultures now that uh, are so appealing to Jen said that are, are predominantly about doing good for the world. But it's still, whichever way you're going, whether you're going for fun or whether you're going for the good of the world, either way, you know, it makes the stronger the culture, makes a more clear fit of who are the right people for you how you make your decisions, who are the right suppliers for you, what are you going to do next year? Everything comes into focus, doesn't it, with the with the values being right? It it does. You know, <clears throat> part of our values is one of our big values is is uh, creating experiences mm. with people. Because here's the thing. Because here's the one thing that I know is true: is that people will pay more money for an experience than they actually will for anything else. I mean, how about this? How about Walt Disney World? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> that there isn't that there is an experience. That that there is it's not rides or anything else. It yeah. is it's they cool. have produced an experience. I couldn't agree more. Have and, you ever come across um, <laughs> a, again an American entrepreneur called Matt Sweetwood? Uh, who, who some of you may have heard yeah. of, or, or you can find on the net. Who I, I interviewed for my first book, but I mean, he did. Matt did. Um, I think he's he he does a lot of consulting work, and I think he's got another company now as well. But he he did at that time, I think, call himself leader of a pack. But he developed photography shops that were hit very badly. And this is a very good example for your retail listeners. Because if you imagine photography over a long period of time has had a couple of hits with the change from, you know, actually the sort of photographs we all stuck in albums to where we are today. And and so, you know, you really have to fight back when you get hit with those mammoth market changes. And going back to experience, I mean, one of the ways Matt did it was to, to change his stores completely from those old, tangled, slightly dirtier photography stores that people used to have, um, sort of jumbled and everything on high shelves and you name it. And he made them all beautiful. He got rid of all the salespeople and hired uh, wonderful people who just loved to talk about photography because they could talk to the customers about photography for you know days on end and just enjoy it. And then he developed um, a photography workshop initially uh, of a mammoth scale and got an expert in and tremendous PR and became known, you know, altogether for the whole experience of what his stores were doing. And, you know, he was saying that with his customers, to, to his staff, that uh, something along the lines of, you know, you have to remember because they were based in Manhattan. 
Um, you know, you've got to get your customer want to come up, get out of bed on a snowy morning and brace for traffic and come here rather than stay at home, you know, watching the TV and Netflix. And and it's exactly what it's all about, isn't it? That experience has to be more enticing than what they would otherwise be doing lazing around. <clears throat> yes. The, the, the thing is, is that, and so for me, my big thing was this, is that, so the UPS store is a franchise. They got over 5,000 locations, sure. maybe close to six <clears throat> across the United States and Canada. And the thing is, is that we all sell the exact same stuff. Of course. Okay. It's, but the thing is, is that what's going to make someone come into my UPS store versus the UPS store down the street? Experience. The experience of <clears throat> That's right. What am I providing to my customers? The experiential thing. Because if you look at all the reviews of UPS or you, you can go anywhere on, on Google, type in UPS store, say you go to New York, type in UPS store, Manhattan or whatever, and then you, you can find UPS stores. Go look at the Google reviews. What's everything? What, what, what's the bad reviews about? Experience. Yeah. They're having bad experiences. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I think the word good nowadays is has, has changed to like mediocre, yeah. average. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because, well, I mean, with the thing, so much, so, so much, I have 14 year old kids, right? Ask them how the day at school was. Oh, it was good. <laughs> okay, that means it was just an average yeah. day, right? You, you talk about good customer service, that means it's average. It's got to be outstanding. And the thing is, is that. That's not. Yeah. And, yeah. And so, because, because if you're not giving good customer service, which is average, you're not going to be in business, but you need something to stand out. And that there is, <coughs> excuse me, what I developed is that extraordinary customer experience every time that that's that my acronym is ECE. And the thing is, is that uh, I push that and teach that we, we are a customer centric business. And if you and if you if you think you're not, if you're in retail, you're customer centric. And if you don't understand that and remember, like I said, your first customer is your employees. The second is the people that walk in the door. And so we are a customer eccentric people. And so not only do you have to create experience for your customers walking in the door, you also have to create the right environment for your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if you put your people first, they will look after the customers. It's as simple as that. That's right. And, and you have to hire people for that. And the thing is, is that, you know, the Gen Zers, they are, they are looking for that. They, they are looking for, they don't want to get paid, but they're also looking for something more than when I was a kid, when I was their age, when I was a young man. <clears throat> Back in the late eighties, early nineties, I wanted I wanted a paycheck. That's the reason why I work. Yeah, I didn't care about anything else. I wanted a paycheck. I, I wanted the money. And nowadays, it's it's not it's not that. It is a combination of multiple things that you have to um, provide for these people. And <clears throat> I don't I don't know how it is over in the UK, but it is hard to hire people. 
Or you guys. Mm. Or we've had Brexit, yeah. of course, um, which hasn't helped. But yes. And, and the thing is, is that, and, and I guess the other piece that really drives me crazy about about this new generation is is that <clears throat> the entitlement that they feel that you know that they're entitled to all of these things without necessarily earning everything that we, you know, I mean, in, in our generations, Jan, we, <clears throat> we had to earn stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure when your father told you to do something, you did it. And if you asked why he'd say, because I said so. Yeah. That was a lot of going around. Yeah. And in this generation, you can't do that. And, it, and, and I find it okay to explain to people the why behind we're doing things. <clears throat> because I get the buy-in I need from them. Because if I explain the why while we're doing things up front, so as I'm telling someone that this new procedure is, is going to happen, this is why we're doing it. And this is the outcome that we're hoping for. And we're hoping that you can make an impact by this new procedure to help further our customers. And, and when you go about it, that way now, it, to, to me, it, it's all about getting this culture to buy into mm. my values. And I, I just, I, I just think there's so many businesses out there that they don't even. If you ask them what their values are, they're just like, uh, <laughs> my, uh. Oh, I think we just have some ones. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, money. Money's my value. No, no, money can't be your value. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, more sales. No, that is not a value. And so I just I just think it's kind of interesting. So um, so so now what's the name of the book again that's going to be coming out? Start, start for success. Start for success. So where can they do So So if my uh, listeners are interested, where can they go and pre-order this book at? Well, they will be able to order it um, at all the usual places, but Amazon's nice and easy if you are an Amazon customer. Uh, and um, for Waterstones and all that lot. Um, but wherever you like to, to to get them. I'm not sure how quick the pre-orders are on places like Waterstones. They will be pretty instantaneous on Amazon, I would think, from December. Perfect. And so when in December can you can you pre-order the book? Do you, you have a date yet? Uh, they haven't. I think it'll probably be the first with a bit of luck. But, uh, so, so, yeah, very early in December and, and out in January. Perfect. Well, Jan, thank you so much. What I'm going to do, folks, is that I'm going to put all of Jan's um, links, her website, Twitter, and LinkedIn links into the notes of this podcast. I'll also put it into the description of the YouTube uh, so you'll be able to see Jan's lovely face and um, everything else. So, Jan, I just really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much for all your insights. Not a bit, John. It's been a pleasure, and I think we think very much the same about a lot of things. Definitely values. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, thank you, Jan. And for my listeners, thank you so much. And we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. 
hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.